I'm an expert in the mental game, in the emotional. And so that's what I know. But the athlete knows herself and she knows her sport the best. And so I always come together as a partnership. And I got, I got my stuff, you got your stuff. And if we work together as equals playing our roles, then we can get you where you want to go. to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. What was your first experience with peak performance? Was it watching Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, Babe Ruth? Did you ever wonder why those select individuals graced the screens of ESPN, repeatedly hoisted trophies, and made snow angels and championship confetti? On this podcast, I talk a lot about elite functioning, and not as much about the physical side. The reason being that by the time these athletes have experienced the elite level, the physical aspects of their games are less of a bell-shaped curve. The magic separator then becomes the mental game. Today's host, Dr. Eddie O'Connor, comes to us from Grand Rapids, Michigan, where he owns a private practice and works with athletes to remove their barriers to achieving that success. He earned his bachelor's degree in psychology from SUNY Binghamton, and then received a built-in master's and subsequent PhD in clinical psychology from the Illinois Institute of Technology. An avid runner all his life, Dr. O'Connor first experienced sports psych in the end of his undergraduate curriculum. I didn't even know it existed, and I was a high school runner, and I really could have used it, um, because for those that run, you know that that's a lot of time to be left alone with your thoughts. <laughs> and um, it was the last class I took in college. It was an elective. I always knew I wanted to be a psychology, a psychologist, psychology major. I read Freud for fun in sixth grade, Analysis of Dreams. I was that kind of guy. Um, and then I took this class. And it's like my whole world opened up. I was like, this is a thing. From that point forward, I was like, well, I definitely want to concentrate on sport as well. And I wanted to get the spectrum of how do you achieve excellence? Because that's not normal um, in the same way that pathology isn't normal, but we don't want to live in that middle. But I also knew that athletes were human beings. So I continued on with clinical psychology because um, I want to understand the whole person, but then also got specialty training in sports psychology, understanding that there was a whole different psychology to excellence, and uh, we needed to master that as well. The journey to obtain the level of excellence that lands athletes on Olympic pedestals and with All-American honors has much less to do with their physical prowess, despite the rhetoric that elite athletes are physically superior. In a system where even collegiately recruited athletes have a fewer than 10% chance of making it to the professional leagues, according to NCAA research, what Dr. O'Connor has found is that at a certain point during the search for excellence, the mental game is the sole factor that divides the great from the elite. It will always get to the point that your natural gifts won't carry you because everybody's great. You go to the NFL, everybody's outstanding. Like, outstanding. And if you don't know how to work by the time you get to the NFL, you're gonna fail really, really quickly. And so if you get a college athlete who has been kind of coasting and has just been you know, maybe more naturally developed. I'm sure they work too, but, you know, has these, you know, genetics that are advantageous, he's not going to do as well. And that's why we have so many undrafted free agents that go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's not a lot of them, but they exist because of this principle of deliberate practice. So where does the difference lie? Does it make itself apparent between zero and 50% of your potential? Do people who work harder off the bat immediately get exponentially improved outcomes? Or does the difference come between 97 and 98%? Is elite performance more about maintenance and fine-tuning? You're going to get great improvement pretty quickly. And then the more time that you spend in it, your gains, because they're more refined and more difficult, you know, get shorter. 
and I think I think it's proven at the Olympics. I mean, the difference between first and last in, in some events is less than a second. So those micro differences, you know, that extra five minutes of sleep a night that you're getting over your opponent or that hydration that you did that the other person didn't or that that tiny technical turn that you made in the pool, you know, can be the difference between meddling or not. For Dr. O'Connor, the focus is on that 97 to 98% jump, but he allows the athletes to recognize that before he tells them. It's so fun because you see their innocence about it. And, and really, it's, it's humbling for us too as, as practitioners. Like I've seen it go happen and work for 20 years. I know it, I don't doubt it. I, I know it like gravity. But this is the first time a 16 year old is hearing it. This is the first time you know, a 20 year old college player is gonna use this in some area of their life. They're gonna have doubt. And so I've really dropped the expectation that they should believe me. I want them to test it. And in fact, that's probably the most important thing about what I do is that they are actually going in, testing their doubts, challenging what I'm saying so that the experience tells them that this works because I know it will. Like I've been in practice now long enough after 20 years. It's like, I, I know what I know and I know what I don't know that I can refer out. But really early on, before I had a professional athlete come in, I remember I grabbed my textbooks and before he came in, I opened up and I was looking because I wanted to review my notes of everything I'd learned in graduate school. <laughs> it was crazy, but I did it for the first three pro athletes that came in because I got so nervous. And it turned out they were just, they're, they're people. And, and, they, and they, I gave them the most basic interventions that helped tremendously. And I learned, thank goodness, my first year, just be present and listen to what they're saying. And I'll either come up with the best answer or I won't know, and then I'll go find out. But listen to them. And it sounds ridiculous saying it right now because it's so basic, but shoot, even sports psychologists, we can get in our own way sometimes. Dr. O'Connor stresses that perfectionism and overanalyzing occur far too frequently in elite athletes, at times to their detriment. Too much internalized pressure can lead to burnout, even in the most elite mindsets. In a 2018 study by Geringer, Chow, and Luzeri, the effect of perceived stress was correlated to the relationship between perfectionism and burnout in collegiate athletes. This study found that athletes who showed perfectionistic tendencies were positively correlated to increased burnout, with stress as the catalyst. Additionally, for athletes who specialized in a single sport, perfectionistic striving was associated with lower levels of burnout. Athletes like to beat themselves up, let's be honest. I have, I have perfectionists that come in and say, nobody's harder on me than I am. And I'm like, okay, well, congratulations, but that, that's not great. <laughs> that's, not gonna, like, that's not a badge of courage to be wearing here because you need to give yourself some grace. But what perfectionists can't stand hearing that because it's like, oh, you, you, oh I take it easy on myself, I'm gonna lose my edge. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can hold your desire for excellence up here, but beating yourself up over a mistake, how is that helping you? How do you change that relationship? Dr. O'Connor once worked with a high school volleyball player who was being overcome with performance anxiety to the point where quitting the sport she loved was on the table. I was like, hey, give me a couple of weeks because I get the sense that you still really love your sport. It was your senior year of high school. And I would love to help you overcome this anxiety because I think we can get you back to enjoying your sport and doing pretty well. She's like, okay, fine. So we worked together. Long story short, she did well. And, all, and after we had ended, I'll never forget the letter that I had gotten in the mail, uh, just heartfelt that said, thank you so much. I was the starting setter. Um, we won our state championship and I almost missed this. Like if, if I hadn't come to see you, I would have missed this entire experience. Um, but through the skills that I've learned, um, you know, I was able to, to really bond with my teammates, have a fantastic year and, and end 
my career as a champion. I'm like, oh, like send that to Disney, right? Like, <laughs> like, and and I'll I'll get that with some regularity, like because somebody's crying in the first two weeks that I'm meeting them, and and within a month or two, you know, they're hitting their their skills or their uh, they're just wondering like, yeah, this stuff doesn't bother me. I don't know why it used to bother me. And I just get overjoyed because now, particularly for high school and college athletes, I'm like, you got your whole life ahead of you. And, and some of them, they do, they, they come back, they're coaches, and then they're teaching things that I taught them when they were an athlete. His clinical background leads Dr. O'Connor to view the mental game with an added complexity. Performance anxiety may be manifesting not from sport participation, but from a mental health issue like generalized anxiety that's then translated into and exacerbated by the context of sport. In my experience, what I find is that the ones that really, really care the most, particularly if they're coming for anxiety, it often comes out of how much they care and they just want to do well. And then that's different than, um, you know, if sport is just something that they do and they've got clinical issues outside of that. So I'm trying to kind of identify how much of this is sport related or sport context or athletic identity versus general. Dr. O'Connor is focused on putting athletic identity in perspective so that athletes at every stage are able to view the classifier athlete as a part of their whole being. You are more than what you do. And that's more than, you know, the grades that you get. It's more than the body that you're in and how good looking you might or might not be, how much money you make. I mean, we can put a lot of things into our identity that are outside here, and they will all fail us at some point. Somebody will always be better, have more money, be skinnier, be heavier, be taller. So I listen very carefully to find out what do we, what do we have ourselves grounded in, and can we raise it to a higher level, um, again, either the spiritual or at least into the values and the things that we can control and the quality of person that we are. Dr. O'Connor puts significant pressure also into the athlete mindset while rehabbing from an injury. Acknowledging that pain is a natural part of sport remains top of mind when he's working with athletes whose identities are strongly correlated to their ability to perform at their peaks. And you're, you're still an athlete when you're injured. So an athlete is also kind of a mindset. You know, I hope that, you know, you and everybody who's listening, if you're an athlete now, that you're an athlete when you die. You might be playing very differently. You know, you might be walking a mile <laughs> at you know 90 um, or doing six push-ups but like I want to be that person you know I want to play the long game because there's an athletic mindset right I mean we know that athletes are different we lean into pain we want things hard competition is fun and to be a great athlete you have to be able to also appreciate that and and if your identity is all wrapped up in just the winning I don't know that that's really an athlete mindset because every athlete I've ever met has lost. Now you don't have to like it, but you do have to learn from it and understand that it's an integral part of the process. For the athletes that Dr. O'Connor works with, most come in understanding the role that sports psychology plays in elite performance while succeeding and failing, but it wasn't that way even a decade ago. At the beginning of my career, my first session was, okay, you're not crazy. This is what mental training is. You know, here's how it could help. It was a big sell job, but now, I mean, NFL, you know, NBA, Olympics, everybody understands that, hey, if you're not doing sports ecology, you're behind. It's no longer like get the extra for the cutting edge. You're behind if you're not training the mental game now. The high performers who utilize Dr. O'Connor's knowledge sometimes even stay longer than expected because they love the culture he creates in his sessions. In order to analyze each person's needs and projected endpoint, he asks a simple question. How will you know that our work is done? How will you know that you've gotten what you came here for? And I got to get behaviors from them or, you know, a description of an attitude or a consistency in a particular performance area. And then when we get there, I say, okay, you've gotten what you came for. 
do you want more? I was like, because here's the menu of things that we could go. Like perfection is a long way off and we'll never get there, but we could always strive for that excellence. How, how much do you want? And then they give me the permission about whether they want to move, particularly if they came to me in distress. I'm like, you're switching, right? You're motivated now because you wanted to get rid of this bad stuff. And now you're happy. But there's a, the other side of it where, like, are you hungry? Like, do you want the gold? Do you want to get better? Because now that's going to be motivated by a desire for excellence and hunger to be great, no longer to get out of distress. And that's a major pivot point. So that setup, if I've got somebody there, I have that very same conversation. And I'd say 50-50, some of them are like, yeah, let's get it. Like, this is great. Let's keep going. And the other half is like, no, you know what? I'm so glad that I'm not upset anymore and I'm having fun again. That's what I wanted. Dr. O'Connor caters to even athletes and high performers who don't live in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area through a variety of content strategies. First, he publishes a YouTube series called Mental Toughness in 60 Seconds, which he's been working on for years. Four years ago, I started making these one minute videos, honestly, because that's all at the time Instagram allowed. Um, but I also figured now good for attention, but mental toughness is 60 seconds. So it's free. It's, I just posted on my social media and in my newsletter and it's a different obstacle and how to overcome it uh, once or twice a week. And so I've got like 150 videos on YouTube and, and other things like that. And I just keep putting it out because um, the feedback has been fantastic of, oh, wow, you know, yeah, that's, that's a great point. I try to make them extremely practical. They're always based on, you know, research and sound principles or experiences. Um, but it's really, I just try to take one problem and solve it at a time with uh, the very same strategies that I'll use with an athlete or high performer in my sessions. Dr. O'Connor also has an online course called The Psychology of Performance, How to Be Your Best in Life. It has 24 half-hour lectures touching topics like mindfulness benefits, how to harness internal motivation, deliberate practice, imagery, confidence and self-talk, routine creation, self-compassion, burnout, how to build a successful team, how to be a supportive sport parent, and how to use competition as you age out of sport and into the rest of your life. It starts off with sort of what's the, um, the science say, but then I also have made it very applied and you'll know, give a lot of examples of both of what I do in sessions with, with my high performers, um, give examples, tell stories, and then apply it. So I've also gotten great feedback that you know, coaches love it because it teaches them the skills to teach their athletes, athletes of all ages. Um, I remember a 70 year old who said, I wish I had this 50 years ago um, because I just can use all these skills in life. And so it really is intended to be as I said, using sport as a metaphor, it's sports psychology and you'll get a lot out of it, but it's more than that. It really kind of helps you say, because we all need, as I said, that mental toughness. How do you focus? How do you deal with, we've got special topics on deal with injury or disordered eating and um, body image and burnout. Um, I've got a section on there for parents too, about how to be the ideal sport parent. The links to check out this course and his website are in the show notes of this episode. What did you think about the roles that perfectionism, burnout, and performance anxiety play in elite athletics? DM us at Closer Mentality on Instagram and Twitter and tell us your thoughts on these potential roadblocks to success. That's all for now on this episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. Talk to you next Wednesday when we bring members of the Tampa Bay Rays front office and roster on to talk about the impact of the player development department and the importance of sports psychology in professional baseball. See you next week.